welcome to episode four of Chilenial Horrors, the podcast where we revisit the horror movies of the early 21st century and decide whether our past selves had any taste whatsoever. So far, we've uh, looked back at Dark Castle and the trend for remaking haunted house movies, and then we moved on to Platinum Dunes and looked at the slasher remake craze. But this time, we are thinking about a film that introduced a new mythology um, at the turn of the century. That's going to be 1999's Blair Witch Project and its 2000 sequel, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. So, first of all, Jonathan, when did you first see The Blair Witch Project? Uh, I first saw the, the Blair Witch Project... I didn't see it at the cinema, I was too young, but I remember my brother rented it from Blockbuster, I think, and I would have been about, I guess I would have been about 2000 or 2001, probably. And I was aware of it because I'd seen the poster and everyone had been talking about it like it was a real thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, but I think that I went into it thinking it was real. Because I think my brother had explained it to me, like, oh yeah, it's this film about this, like these three backpackers who go missing in the woods. And obviously, because it starts with the, this is a true story. <laughs> And I was young enough to be like, oh, man. <laughs> that was pretty rough for those guys. Um, Sucks to be them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was terrified. I remember yeah, watching it on video and being really, really scared by it. Yeah. Um, how about you? When did you first see Yeah, it? I saw it. Um, I was staying over at my boyfriend's house. It would have been like 18, 19. And we'd rented the video again as VHS. And I think he'd seen it as well uh, before we watched it together. And we watched it at like midnight, and yeah, uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, I can't remember if I thought it was real or or what I knew about all of that stuff. Because I was quite internet savvy at the time, so I don't know whether I would have known about all the website stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought it was terrifying anyway, whether it was real or not. I guess um yeah, I guess now's a good time to just quickly do the the background on the Blair Witch Project, as if anyone listening <laughs> doesn't know what the Blair Witch Project is. But yeah, so the Blair Witch Project, directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick, it's famous for being a found footage movie. Um, so it presents itself as real footage, as if the film canisters were found in the woods and edited together uh, to show what happened to these missing filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and Mike Williams. But it's not the first ever found footage movie, even though it's maybe one of the most famous. Do you know what the first ever found footage movie was? Was it Cannibal Holocaust? It was not Cannibal Holocaust. Ah, okay. See, it was a trick question. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, <laughs> not mostly to trick you, but because when I looked this up, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, the first ever found footage movie is actually The Connection, which is a drama about heroin addicts by Shirley Clark. It's um, from 1961, so... Oh, wow. super old but yeah, yeah the 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 one most people know about and the first sort of found footage horror movie is is cannibal holocaust uh which came out in 1980 and then there are a bunch of others in between that nobody really cares about <laughs> sweep them under the rug <laughs> we don't care um and then you get the blair witch project so yeah i think it's maybe the first found footage movie that most people had seen um hmm. and it has this extra layer of internet stuff so long before the movie was even finished they were creating stuff online through tv shows building up the mythology of ellie kedward the blair witch and kind of seeding all these clues uh and it's it's just sort of weird to think because like the internet was a different place then it was completely Mm. it was you know it was forums it was websites it was 
social media as we know it was not even dreamt of the internet was still a place that you kind of logged onto and logged off of and you weren't just constantly (laughs) stuck in (laughs) forever um looking back now at some of the stuff that went out and and some of the stuff that was on the website and there was even um there was a a documentary on the sci-fi channel that well a documentary (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah a, a thing which again purported to be real um and claimed to be a real uh, documentary about the Blair Witch and, and what had happened uh, went out the week before the film came out the film's only kind of like a really tiny part of the whole mythology it's really strange mm. but uh, yeah I don't I don't know like looking back at it now I think uh, what I like about the film is that it doesn't fill in all those gaps um, so <laughs> I don't know <laughs> to some degree a lot of this stuff that was online I think kind of takes away from the film I don't know what's your feeling yeah I remember there's all that stuff with, about Rustin Parr, isn't mm. there? He's mentioned in the film a lot as being he's the mur- he's a murderer who's done terrible yeah. things, and I remember seeing I've seen some of the deleted footage and stuff that they filmed I think for the film and then mm, cut it mm-hmm. out because it was it it yeah like you said it just made it worse like explaining everything um, and having like long flashbacky kind mm. of stuff doesn't really help. Yeah, so I agree. I think it just. It does that thing which I think you were talking about in previous episodes about all the horror remakes mm. needing to explain everything. Yeah. Like, is that's definitely something that really works in favour of the film, is that there's not um, anything beyond the interviews that they have at the start, really. Mm. There's, like, uh, at the start of the film, uh, Heather's interviewing some locals in Burkittsville who kind of, like, have all these, like, half-remembered stories about the Blair Witch, mm. like, um, from their childhood and stuff. And that works much better, I think, than if you'd, like, interviewed a sheriff who said like oh yeah that's exactly what happened yeah I, yeah i think that's much creepier because um the stories don't match up all, all the locals are kind of giving these little snippets mm. of, of stuff that they yeah like you say half remember um and you've got this story of ellie kedward from the 1820s i think you know she's supposed to be this um witch who was banished from the village uh and then after that there's a little girl who goes missing in the creek and then after that, yeah, there's mm. Rustin Parr, who's a, <laughs> a serial killer in the woods who kills seven children um, because he hears the voice of the witch telling him to. Uh, but yeah, like they, you don't really get a full a full picture from anyone. So there, there's there's a there's a, a woman that they talk to at the beginning who they all think is mad at the time, and I think there's even a line later where Heather's like. What did she say? I sort of wasn't really listening because I thought she was crazy. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and you kind of have to think back. And she was talking about an old woman in the woods covered in horse hair, um, mm. which <laughs> I'm not sure is relevant at all. But like, <laughs> you just kind of have all these nightmare images, and then the film doesn't show you anything. So, you know, literally, the film starts with. Um, this group of three filmmakers heading out to the woods to make their documentary about the Blair Witch so they have a couple of locations in mind that they want to go to there's um, there's Coffin Rock which is where some bodies were found at some point in the past I think that must be the 1880s one um, and then there's a cemetery apparently in the woods and yeah they're going to go and interview the locals find out more about the legend see what they can see Uh, And obviously it all goes horribly wrong and they end up trapped, walking in circles, getting very angry with each other, with no food and no cigarettes and no map. (laughs) No map, yeah. Um, (laughs) Mike. (laughs) That bit happens 
far earlier in the film yeah. than I'd remembered. He goes nuts straight off the bat. <laughs> he's been in the woods like half an hour and he's like, nah. Yeah, and he 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 throws the map in the river because he thought it was useless. Yeah. And doesn't admit to it for about five minutes and then he's like, oh yeah, I did that. There's so <laughs> much bickering before he admits to it. Like, he just lets Heather and Josh like go at each other for ages about who is irresponsible and who wasn't looking after the map <laughs> and then he's like haha it was me yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so strange because like yeah there was no kind of script for this movie there was there was an outline apparently and they would give uh directions to each of the actors um for the for the day ahead but then it was all improvised so i guess mike was told that he I don't know. I don't know what they told him. I'd love to know. Like, it basically, you stole the map and threw it away, I guess. Like, yeah. And they're, they're, all three of them are great. Like, I really like... Um, that was, I think of the three of them, Joshua Leonard's like, had a really good career since then. He's kind of gone on to be a character actor and lots of things like Unsane and... Um, oh, I didn't realise he was uh, But yeah, like, Heather, Heather Donahue's really great. And I forgot how good she was, actually. Because I think it's one of those things... Uh, it's been spoofed or it was spoofed so much I think less so now but it was definitely a, a, the subject of a lot of kind of parodies and piss takes um, particularly Heather's performance yeah um, but it's really good like I think I'd, I'd forgotten it's also believable I think their desperation and their sort of how, how angry they are with each other and they're just yeah. really pissed off and then they get cold and hungry and it all kind of it all feels very natural none of it feels forced like uh yeah at all that's that's the thing that um i think i get really annoyed about in a lot of fan footage movies is that it just doesn't hold, it just doesn't feel real it, like mm. it's as if they kind of they don't remember that there's going to be a person holding the camera um and obviously yeah. in this because they were very they you know it is all shot by by them they had to cast actors who were able to operate cameras um you you don't forget that you constantly like you're there with them the camera is the person like yeah i don't know mm. there's 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 an interesting bit about that as well when um uh is it josh takes the camera off heather and is like i see where you like and there must be mike it's like you it's i mike see where you like this it, thing yeah because yeah. it's not quite reality um mm. which feels weirdly prescient <laughs> given how much we kind of i guess live through screens now yeah, and it's, it's, it's a, such a great um, reason for why they keep shooting or why she keeps shooting. Yeah. Just because, yeah, it doesn't feel as real if she's yeah filming it. Yeah, so upsetting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, just they're just stuck there for so long. Like, I feel like uh, in my head, if I summed up the plot, it, I thought it was only a couple of days, but it's quite a lot. Of, I think it's almost a week or so mm. that they're there because there's one day that that goes by really fast at the beginning where I was like. You didn't really show us anything on this day. Like, what happened? It, it seems to be night again really fast. But, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess they just had to get them into a state where they really were, like you say, cold and hungry and uncomfortable and bickering with each other. Um, apparently that's why they... It was originally going to be Mike that goes missing in the night and not Josh, but they thought that um, Josh and Heather's arguing was too annoying for viewers so they they took out josh <laughs> instead but also then that was a, a complete surprise for everyone because they weren't expecting that to happen yeah yeah i think i think even watching it i think for the third or fourth time i, I was still expected to be mike Gugos first <laughs> just because he's barely there and yeah just annoying <laughs> and josh josh feels like a co-lead and then it's like oh no he's yeah. like, just goes missing it's it's so interesting and like yeah like you say about just going back to yeah heather's performance like, i think she's so great i i 
um, really kind of identify with her a lot in it. And that, like, I think they said originally that they planned for it to be three, three boys, three, three men. Um, and then they, uh, Heather Donahue auditioned and they were like, no, it's her. She's great. Mm. <laughs> but, um, I think it gives it like an extra layer of like, it's, it's like, she's trying to kind of assert that she's the director and she's in charge and these like guys aren't really listening to her and, mm. and they don't really respect her and you can tell that there's like there's a there's a bit of genderedness to that 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 you know that they're the techie ones they're the ones with the microphones and everything and she's just kind of trying to say this is my project this is my idea i know where we're going and they just kind of don't trust her and they don't listen to her and it's really mm. that that stuff's really like frustrating i really feel for her even like right at the beginning when they're all drinking in the hotel room and they're sort of being really like laddie and and mm. and she can't really she can't really join in with that she kind of yeah. does some, yeah she does a, a shot of whiskey and then she's like oh i hate scotch and it's like oh don't <laughs> try and be them but yeah that's so sad <laughs> yeah you're right and you do kind of feel like they bond against her quite a bit like um well they kind of they bond together and obviously that turns them against her when they get mm. lost and yeah that was something i think because i remember watching it as like a young teenager probably about 12 or 13 and finding it really scary and then watching it as a teenager who discovered like really gory horror movies and finding it a bit <laughs> more finding it quite boring kind of like i love the ending still but i remember being a bit finding it all a bit tedious and then watching it again as an adult you really get a lot more of the um i don't know it all resonates a lot more i think mm. the sort of yeah being stuck with people that you don't get on with and you need to kind of make it work um and if people would just listen and sort of work together <laughs> then it, you might be able to it was i really felt all that kind of um yeah exhaustion and yeah felt really sorry for heather because she's just like and she does she takes responsibility for all of it at no point she does. does she say like it's not my fault like she well she might yeah be. <laughs> i think there's one bit where there's there's one bit where so she, she really map. breaks yeah it's after he confesses to having thrown the map away and she's screaming at him like this just like completely high-pitched out of control screaming like where she's saying mm. like this is your fault like you've doomed us like that was useful i knew yeah, where we were did. going yeah yeah. yeah yeah like she really goes for him and then and then like audibly kind of gathers herself and her pitch of her voice goes back down and she's like no no okay this is what we're gonna do mm. um yeah it's so <laughs> i mean it feels stupid to say it feels really real because like i guess it kind of was to them like i mm. know that they obviously they know they're acting but like because they were really having to sleep in a tent at the end of it. Like it wasn't like they were going off to their hotel afterwards. Like they were stuck in this nightmare <laughs> and they didn't know what was going to happen. And they, you know, they are hungry and they're sleep deprived and their, you know, shoes are wet and they're uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's so like, upsetting. You're like, oh. Yeah, the shoes are wet one really got me this time. I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. She's like, all our shoes are wet. Like my shoes have been wet for days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so grim, isn't it? And like that that day where they kind of walk all day, and then they end up putting the the tent back up in the same place where they did the previous yeah. night, and they're just like, that was a waste of time. Like we basically exhausted ourselves, and mm. it did no good whatsoever. <laughs> it's just oh. <laughs> but yeah, they're all like, and they're just trying, and they're just like, they are doing like they're they're trying to go south. Like there's no read, like obviously because it's it's a horror movie. Like yeah, they're doomed. Like that's just it. There's nothing that they can do. It's, no matter what they try, they're going to end up at the yeah the par house. It's it's. I think watching it now, what was really strange was how little I 
it really got the first few times I watched it, and I think maybe it's because it was on VHS. Like, I remember not really understanding what's in the bundle that they find outside the tent one morning. After Mm. Josh has disappeared, they find a bit of shirt with some teeth in it. But, like, I remember on VHS not really being able to make out what that was, just that it was something gory. Yeah, I think it was just red. (laughs) And, like, um, the piles of stones. Like, I think I didn't really understand what that was meant to signify. I didn't really get it. And then watching it now, I'm like, oh, obviously, it's because they find the seven piles, so they're kind of, like burial mounds for these kids and then they wake up and there are three outside their tent like it's really obvious but I mean I was just a stupid teenager but I was just like I was just these rocks and then there are these sticks in fact we haven't talked about the sticks and the trees the the little like witch yeah, yeah. doll things those are so good yeah I think this all the iconography in it's so like simple but really striking yeah like I love the little piles of rocks and yeah the the stick Blair Witch figure is just so good. That's such a yeah. fantastic. It really does feel like like a big part of its success was just this very um, recognizable creepy yeah, symbol. Yeah, it works. It's so good. And I think like wasn't it? Is Kill List kind of basically has it? It's such a easy like thing to have, but um, really makes it stand out. And I think so much of it's about how what you're not seeing. Like you kind of even when they're saying like, "Are oh, we here, Josh?" Like it's like you don't you as a viewer don't really know if you if you're hearing this like a noise, but it could be anything. Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing is that like, it was always really hard to make out. Like when they're saying mm. they can hear children, or they can hear yeah, something yeah. like laughing in the woods, and you're like, I can't, you can't really hear it. Like, obviously, like I guess, yeah, you can't because their camera isn't necessarily picking it up. But like, mm. you're just like, what is there? What is that? And then because of that, the way it ends, just so horrifyingly, like abruptly. Mm. <laughs> um, although we have heard the story that this serial killer, you know made one child stand in the corner or whatever so that as soon as we see someone standing in the corner we understand that like everyone's about to die but like you don't know so I feel like when you're watching it you you, it gives you all these options um because at one point they think that locals from the town are kind of following them and and messing with them so you kind of like like, deliverance style yeah. yeah so like even if you are completely like I don't believe in the supernatural I don't believe in witches you're like well there could just be someone out there that's trying to like get them like it kind of gives you this 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 thing of like whatever it is that you're scared of whatever it is that you would imagine coming for you in the night like it it could be that (laughs) yeah definitely i was kind of watching out to see like how ambiguous it was and i think i'd remembered it like being pretty clear that it's supernatural and i think it it kind of is it isn't it isn't though you don't ever see anything do you no not in this one (laughs) that's true yeah yeah it's all kind of blown out the water by the other ones but um yeah, the the threat of just it being, and that it, it comes back every mm. night, and I I really like the bit that got me actually, and it might just be because I've been sleeping really badly since the last few months, but um I think it's like either Mike or Josh when they're woken up in the night, it's just going like, oh please say it's like nearly dawn, please say it's like five a.m. and Heather's goes like oh, it's three, yeah, and I'm just like oh no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's something kind of every night that's going to come in the middle of the night and just make things a bit worse. Yeah, oh yeah. That bit's really horrible. Like, I just, there's so many bits in it that, like, yeah, almost, almost like a throwaway bit of dialogue. You know, what time is it? Please say it's nearly morning. Oh no, it's three. Like, I think on a rewatch, sometimes, yeah, that those bits hit you harder. Mm. And because I feel like because it was kind of left open ended, like there was this conversation. Like it, it was, it was, it, it like other films that we will talk about soon. I'm sure it had that thing where you just had to, you had to see it you had to talk about it you had to have an opinion on it 
Um, I think the thing that really kind of struck me watching it back now is if it really was real <laughs> and these these kids really had died in the woods, like it would have been extremely morally like just 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 deeply unethical <laughs> to, to to take a film of their final moments and put it in cinemas and charge tickets as entertainment. Like <laughs> my God, <laughs> we were savages in the nineties. <laughs> gets me every time but yeah Mike standing in the corner right at the end like it's such a good again like simple it's not gory it's just one of the characters standing where he shouldn't be like facing the wall and not responding to like Heather calling Ugh. to him yeah like it's just yeah it's so simple and really scary but it's only like a second it's like it's so short and then yeah the camera drops and it's done that so much of it's like unseen yeah and I think that's just one of the things that every time I watch it like it's it shouldn't be like there's so many bad versions of this film like there's we've seen so many bad found footage movies where they don't have a story and they they, it's like oh we can get away with not showing you anything because it's found footage or like it cannot make sense because it's found footage or like it's been used as a shortcut so many times really badly to make up for a lack of anything (laughs) story or scares or good acting or and I I was just yeah reading like I was on Wikipedia actually just like um but the filmmakers is talking about, oh yeah, like we just went out and did it. Like we just had a lot of ambition and a bit of money and really went for it. It's one of those ones because it's so like trailblazing, I think, and it's the way it was made. It feels like it shouldn't hold up as well as it does as a film. It feels like it should be like one of those ones like, oh, you know, it's very good for the time. <laughs> well, like, yeah. you know, it was the first one of this so we should respect it but actually it's not great but it is like it's really good um, yeah I, I think it still is I mean I watched it at like 11 in the morning yesterday so that wasn't really fair to, to it in terms of like being scary but yeah in just terms of like um, noticing that what they were doing the whole time I think it helps that the the filmmakers had been thinking about this story and this mythology for a couple of years before they got going so a lot of it isn't in the film because this isn't really the film that they intended to make like you say there was all this extra documentary Mm. stuff that they they shunted off into another sort of mini film but like because they 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 know all that stuff in their heads like it it sort of feeds into it like even if it's not explicitly there on the screen you sort of feel like there is a story um if you could just see something if you could just you know maybe turn the camera around a bit you 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 would (laughs) you'd get the full story and it's that kind they're of chosen their interviews a bit better in town like if they talk to like a local historian <laughs> yeah. or something rather than that woman with her kid at the supermarket yeah oh i remember that woman with her kid really freaking me out because when she starts talking about the witch the kid's like trying to put his hand over her yeah. mouth and being like stop stop <laughs> and for some reason that's just really it's creepy great, it's isn't like, it? i would forgotten about that completely <laughs> she's like, <"It's> like no <laughs> Or the 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 guys at the river who are like, damn fool, kids will never learn. <laughs> yeah, because you think they're going to be aggressive, and then they're like, can we film you for a documentary? And they're like, oh yeah. It's like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Um, I really do like all that stuff. But yeah, um, this is the thing that that modern films don't seem to give you is like, they give you enough information that you want more. You want to know. Like I, I can imagine seeing that film at the cinema and being like right I need to go home and go on to BlairWitchProject.com yeah, and find out more I need to know like what else there is um, even though ultimately I think things tend to be better in your imagination <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's such a like amazing like timing and preparation from them that they had they had this tool where you could go and like read up more and then you could tell your friends like oh well did you know actually that Rustin Parr did this and I really like this 
that they were smart enough to kind of I think it doesn't feel dated and I think because it is like a period film already like in, it came out in 1999 mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. in the film it says yeah set in 94 and it was found in 95 yeah yeah so it all like you already have it in your head like oh yeah this is like a historical document yeah but I, I think also because of the nature of the footage and the fact that there's not you know like music mm. playing there's not really like the clothes they're wearing are just kind of practical things yeah. for hiking in the woods like all that stuff doesn't mm. date as much and I mean I think part of the reason why it's been so um constantly like parodied and copied is that it was just so massively mm. successful like it was inescapable at the time everyone was talking about it and it just made an absolute shitload of money like I kept finding different numbers, but the, the sort of like all in marketing, internet stuff and filmmaking, they sort of reckon around $60,000 and it made something like 250 million. <laughs> it's just like a, just an insane return on investment, like yeah, just crazy. So of course, like everybody would want a piece of that. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, oh, I basically have to spend no money. We don't need any yeah. actors. <laughs> we don't need a set. We don't need anything. <laughs> we can just bang out a film in the woods. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and like you say, then 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 we end up with these uh, films that haven't spent as much time thinking about their mythology and haven't spent any time prepping anything or even checking that their actors can improvise, <laughs> and we end up with very yeah. bad things. There's actually because I think like yeah, just the fact that my brother wanted to rent it. Like I think he's not really a horror person at all, but that it was big enough that I guess yeah, he was he's a couple of years older than me, so I guess he would have been about fifteen at the time. Yeah, that it was on his radar and to be like, oh yeah, we need to watch this thing because everyone's talking about it. Yeah, like you said, just an incredible like, achievement for such a low budget movie because it got into Sundance, didn't it? And then that was where it kind of blew up and then... Yeah, got that buzz. I guess just because it it, it kind of appeals to that like um, kind of true crime mentality as much as horror. Yeah, Because definitely. you're like, there are these kids and they've gone missing and where are they? Like, something has happened to them. How can we solve this? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's such a great yeah. Like these three people have gone missing. This is like the only record that we like. This is all that we know. Yeah. <laughs> I actually um I actually did watch Cannibal Holocaust yesterday, which I've never seen before. Um, but because I knew we were going to talk about Blair Witch, and I wanted to kind of be able to draw that comparison. And uh, I'm gonna say I'm still a Blair Witch Project fan. I'm, I I <laughs> I did not enjoy Cannibal Holocaust. I know I enjoy is a stupid word to use for that film, obviously, but um. I don't know, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. I could see, like, it was definitely it's definitely the best one of those kind of movies that I've seen. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the cannibals in South America no. genre. Like I could like I could appreciate that it was clever in what it was doing. And it was a lot it was more clever than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> in that. I hate that the, the guy just kind of offhandedly says, oh, oh yeah, well, um, some of their footage didn't have sound, so I've put some music on it. And it's like, <laughs> you pick the the most inappropriate music for everything. Like, there are all these scenes of just people um, being mutilated or raped, and you've just put this, like, jaunty, nice music on it. It's like, what's wrong with you? Why did you do that? Um, <laughs> yeah, very, very strange. Um, and, yeah, it is completely... Uh, polar opposite from the Blair Witch Project where you see nothing because Cannibal Holocaust is like hey what if you saw everything and it was really disgusting and awful hmm yep 
and then and then at the end the bloody guy is like i wonder who the real cannibals are like fuck <laughs> yeah. off they're having a i hate films with the punchline well I, maybe i don't always but like i hate that one that is a, it's so obvious throughout like he's constantly banging this drum of like well you think that it's very sad that these young filmmakers have gone missing but actually they're terrible um and then just putting that in at the end to like no, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, but I guess at least I've seen it, so everyone can stop telling me to see it now. That's true. Yep, it's done. Cross it off. <laughs> Don't have to until watch it you again. get to the point where yeah, you have to watch it again because like oh, but did you get this bit? So it's, oh, maybe if you watch it again, no, like, no, it's not. It's not going to happen. It's going to be like Breaking Bad, where everyone was like, watch Breaking Bad, watch Breaking Bad, watch Breaking Bad. So like, watch the first season and was like, ah, eh, not really into it. And they're like, ah, oh, but it gets better. It gets better. You got to keep going. Got to keep going. So I was like, okay, fine. And then watched up until oh, I don't know, season two or three whenever the stupid plane crashes and then I was like I'm this far and I hate it and I'm stopping and everyone's like yeah alright you can stop now like good I'm glad but <laughs> but you have wasted a significant amount of my time thanks <laughs> anyway um, moving on so obviously after such a massive success as the Blair Witch Project where everybody just wanted more like the production company are like, like let's get another one let's do another one let's get another one out next year again a model of filmmaking that we will come back yeah. to <laughs> they actually offered the original filmmakers uh, Sanchez and Myrick the opportunity to make the sequel but because Artisan wanted um, the sequel to come out the following year they were like it's not enough time we we, we want to do a good job <laughs> basically and yeah. that isn't enough time to, to do that um, mm. so it went elsewhere so enter <laughs> Joe Berlinger um Joe Berlinger's an interesting guy in that he's a documentary maker primarily and, and like a really good one and he, mm. he he's basically like the guy that created the true crime TV documentary genre with um, uh, the title Paradise Lost um, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills in which was in 1996 he, he like you know he got innocent men off of death row he like yeah. got the case reopened he's like yeah got got stuff done like he's got he's got you know he's got his chops he's like serious filmmaker uh and then we roll him out to make a sequel to the Blair Witch Project which ends up not really being a documentary and being a very 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 strange uh beast <laughs> I mean, yeah, how do you fun. even explain this film I mean at the beginning I think it says something like um this is a, a, a fictionalized recreation of true events so yes. yeah, so we are given uh, a couple of people who are being interrogated by the police because something bad has happened, and then we flash back to see what they said has happened. Um, and then there's also a bunch of stuff with cameras because they're filming as well. But bare footage is much, um, but there's just not much of it. You only see a little bit, and it's not really that prioritised in the narrative. It's just it's there, and it's got a point to make, but you don't really see a lot of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's not good, is it? I don't think it's good, no. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. it's interesting. It's a shame. Like, I think. It is interesting. I think, because, did, when, when did you first see it? Book of Shadows. Oh, we, I think, I, I remember renting it with uh, my friends in, oh, I don't know, like 2001, maybe? Or 2002? It came out, to, yeah, it came out in 2000, so yeah, it would have been around relatively soon after it came out but not like you know 
I don't think we're desperate to see it. I think something that we wanted to rent wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> so we got this. Fair enough. I think because I, I saw it um, only a few years ago. Like I'd, um, mm. I remember it coming out and I remember reading about it. And again, like good promotion. I think I remember it was online a lot. The posters were cool. It used, I love that it doubled up the witch thing. That just made me really happy. <laughs> but yeah, I remember reading that it was pretty terrible and I didn't see it. And I only watched it for the first time, yeah, about three or four years ago. And it does that thing, I think like we were talking about, where the opening's really interesting. It starts off with a good idea, which is that the the film came out and it was, it's not clear in, in Book of Shadows whether it was a documentary or not. Like, that's up for discussion. Yeah, they're all they're all discussing whether it's real or not, and they're like, "Oh, I wish they'd used a fictional town." And yeah, because yeah. basically, Burkittsville at this point has been overrun with Blair, Blair Witch tourists. Yeah, it's like a tourist trap, and like some of the locals of like uh, like our main character is Jeff, played by Jeffrey Donovan, who's in Burn Notice and lots of other things, who's sort of yeah like a Blair Witch like historian slash like merch maker. He's a tour guide, slash chancer. Yeah, yeah. chancer completely. <laughs> Yeah, so the film is about him taking a bunch of people on like a Blair Witch tour to see if they can... Well, it's not really clear what they're looking for. <laughs> I think they're all looking for different things. We're introduced to uh, this this sort of strange ragtag group of people. So there's Stephen and Tristan, who are a couple, and they are writing a book, and it's called... Oh, what is it? The Blair Witch History or Hysteria or something? Yeah, so there's an argument about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she very much seems to think that it's it's real and he is more of the opinion that it's all just mass hysteria. Crucially, she's also pregnant and doesn't want to be, even though he does want her to have the baby. That is a relevant plot device. Uh, and then you also get um, Erica, played by Erica Learson, who is a Wiccan who thinks that witches have been much maligned and that she she's looking for Ellie Kedward to become her mentor, which has very, very, very questionable motivation. Um, and then you get Kim, who is a goth who just thought the movie was cool, um, but she also seems to have some kind of psychic powers. Yeah, she's a psychic Because why not? Yeah. Yeah, in my memory, I think I'd mashed Erica and Kim into into one person. That's fair, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start off quite different, but they're sort of, they're, their personalities seem to merge and sort of separate. No one's that distinct, no or that interesting. I think, like, Jeffrey Donovan is just going at full pelt, kind of twitchy. Yes. Um, yeah. He's great fun, but he's also really going for it. Because it starts with him in some kind of institution and he's recently been released and is uh, possibly the cause of everything that happens. But yeah, everyone else is just kind of... I don't know. Like I've, No one really feels like a fully-fledged person. Like, Kim Direct is pretty fun and Erica Learson's pretty fun, but her character, especially the, the Wiccan, just feels really sort of... 2000 idea of what like, a sexy witch is. <laughs> <laughs> She has incredible hair, um, and I was very sad to find out later <laughs> that it's not real. It's all hair extensions. Yeah, they're all just—they kind of just pile off, and it's—it's it's really fun when they're kind of bickering about whether it's real or not, and they're kind of there's lots of smart points being made about kind of the commercialization of um, yeah potential like crime, tragedy thing, which is obviously yeah really interesting given that it's yeah Joe Berlinger yeah like you said, West Memphis Three and that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then it but it just it goes south so quickly, like really quickly. Basically, as soon as they get into yeah. the woods, I think they have like a big party because they need to be up all night. Yeah, in the in ruins. The ruins. Yeah. yeah, and <laughs> from there it just goes 
right downhill. But I feel like I, I sort of I don't know. I feel like I wanted a bit more of an explanation of this one because they go they go out to the woods and they are going to have a party in the ruins of Rustin Parr's house, which. Is that supposed to be the same house as in the end of the Blair Witch? I don't think it, it is. It doesn't look is like it? it. Or is it? <laughs> There's a tree in the middle of it. There's a tree um, in the middle of it, but sometimes there isn't a tree in the middle of it. Hmm. <laughs> Which is another, like, I think it's, 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 it, what it does quite quickly is set up the idea that what you see on tape might not be the same as what you see in reality. And that's hmm. like um, a tension in that, like, do you trust your own eyes or do you trust the evidence of a videotape? Um, and like that's the whole kind of uh, the point of this film, really, is that is is trying to say like maybe just because you've seen something on a tape doesn't mean it's real, or maybe it's only one perspective, which I think is really a really really interesting point to make, especially like this early in in, in Berlinger's career because he's gone on mm. to make so many more documentaries. Clearly, what he does, and and I've seen him being interviewed, and he talks very seriously about the responsibility that he feels for bringing true crime stories to the screen. Like he's saying like, if something happened to me, would I want people digging around and like putting my story on, on screen? Like maybe I wouldn't. So he, he, he has that thing of, you know, he doesn't um, take it lightly or he doesn't kind of mm. want to sensationalize things. Um, <laughs> and so it just seems weird that like so early on he was doing this film where that that's kind of what he was talking about. It's interesting that he wrote the screenplay as well with Dick Beebe who, also wrote the House on Haunted Hill remake. Um, yeah, because it feels like watching the film, like it feels like it could have just been like a hack job of someone given a script and said, like, just make it. Yeah. Because I think partly because there's so much that, yeah, that feels at odds in it. Like, with, like the stuff that we talked about all feels like very intelligent and interesting. And then in the second half, uh, they retreat to Jeff's uh converted factory in the woods, yeah. which is his hideout thing. And that's where the rest of the film takes place pretty much. Except they they can leave, which feels very non Blair Witch. <laughs> well, they can leave, but then they can't leave. They they yeah. <laughs> they can leave at a certain point and then can't again. Uh, they can go into town to get beer and be harassed by people, yeah. but they can't leave when they need to leave. Yeah. But yeah, th- but there's just there's just a lot of really tedious kind of is this real? Is this really happening? Kind yeah. of stuff like fancy sequences. Like a lot of it's very gory. A lot of it's kind of full of nudity. A lot of it's just kind of nothing. And it's just, it feels like all the ideas fly out the window until the ending, which feels like it was, yeah, it's very heavily foreshadowed. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, I think, so that's partly why it feels like it's, it could have been a director for hire. And it's kind of interesting that it's, it's something that he obviously put a lot of work into. Mm. Yeah, I did read uh, Martin Conterio interviewed him for Enemy, I think, earlier this year for the anniversary. And he just, yeah, he's, he said that I think he did take it very seriously, but was, um, yeah, forced into a lot of reshoots by Artisan to put in more. Um, blood and guts, and he's very unhappy with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think also like the, the the time scale would have just meant that he just didn't have the yeah. time to do what he would have wanted to do. I guess like you know, if you're up against that deadline, you just got to do what mm. you can do. So I think that's probably why he's got some interesting stuff in there. But then it just feels like oh, well, let's just get on with it. I remember last time I watched it and thinking that those interviews at the very beginning with the Burkittsville people were the yeah. best part of it. And yeah, I still too. think they are. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I did like some of the later stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I think the point for me, maybe where it goes downhill is after uh, Tristan has a miscarriage in the woods, then they take her to hospital and then she's like, I don't want to be in hospital. So yeah. they just leave. They just go to the woods again. Yeah. And then there's, there's no like, 
I don't know. There's no kind of uh, acknowledgement that what she's just gone through is probably quite physically and emotionally traumatic. <laughs> just like, <Yeah>. well, <laughs> let's carry on doing this stupid nonsense we were doing. It's like, do you want to maybe take your girlfriend home and like put her to bed and like take care of her? No, you just want to like go and look up some more shit about witches. Okay. Yeah. Watching it again, I thought I'd missed something, but I hadn't, so I went back and checked. Um, yeah, they just leave hospital and go to the woods to Jeff's cabin. There's no reason, like, all the sense of, like, what they're doing being really unclear gets really heavy, I think, in the second half, because they're just reviewing tapes for a night. But it's, it seems to go on forever, and it's really important that they stay up and do it. <laughs> yes, and they're all kind of, like, hallucinating yeah, the because day. they're so tired. It's like, just go to sleep. What are you doing? Like... And the, 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 the sheriff just kind of yeah. like con- continually calls up to give them shit. <laughs> it's so unprofessional. Yeah, he calls up and says like, don't go anywhere. Like there's been loads of murders. And then, yeah. but never appears. I think he, well, he no. does like an hallucination. Um, yeah, exactly. When he does show up, he's not real. Yeah. Or he calls and is like, put the TV on. Can you see me? I'm on TV. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? I don't know if any of that was, was real or... Again, yeah, I don't know if any of it was a hallucination. Um, I think there is, like, there's a bit that's almost really cool but kind of fucks it up where, um, ugh, spoilers, but Tristan dies slash is killed. Um, and then when they replay the videotape, it's there's a part where she's saying basically the same dialogue but in a different tone. Mm. Um, but then it just wildly diverges. But, like, it seems like they are going to just do this like just slight sort of shift in perspective so like everybody's very hysterical and stressed and they're hearing what she says one way and then they like watch the tape back when they're calmer and 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 interpret it in another way mm. but like then that then the dialogue was all just completely different so it doesn't really work but like for a moment i was like oh that's really cool oh no you fucked yeah up. <laughs> there's a lot of that and i think yeah it just feels like all those opportunities to do yeah something genuinely creepy just come out the window like i think Oh, but like Erica's like naked dancing on the videotape. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. sort of, why? Why is she out there? Why? Uh, why is Why is Erica constantly naked from that point on? In she the is, film? yeah, from that point on, especially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just feels like they're really, they, yeah. It does feel half written at that point, where it's sort of like, oh, we don't know what they're doing, and that is the thing that Blair Witch Project doesn't really do. Like, it feels like it's all very tight, even though it's improvised. Yeah, I think I think because they at least sort of knew where they were going, mm. so it would be like, right today you're going to have an argument about going south and you're going to whatever like and then they could just edit down all the bickering into the bit that they wanted whereas I guess if you're just doing scripted stuff you don't have that like massive amount of footage yeah. to do that with you've just got the stuff that you plan to shoot and if you didn't plan it very well then you just fucked <laughs> yeah totally because it just it just feels like a mess like that second half that there's no like there's, there's, there's like one inevitable ending which is yeah, massive spoilers, but yeah, they kind of basically murder this, yeah, Tristan. But mm. apart from that, so this feels like they're just killing time to get there. So there's like, oh, wait, well, we need another, we're, we're still like, we're about 10 minutes short. It's like the kind of not rough merengue thing of everything without dialogue is considered slow. But it's like, <laughs> oh, we need another sort of dream sequence or like we need another hallucination. Let's just pad it out a bit more. Can we get Jeffrey Donovan asking for coffee again? Yeah. And then like the, like the stupid gag with the dogs. Like I really, I don't, <laughs> I just don't think that adds anything. No. And there's the owl. We We haven't talked about the owl. The The owl, like, appears and then is gone. And then, like, we don't talk about that again. Like, hang on. What? (laughs) 
I think that was one of the few things that I knew about the film before I watched it. Was like everyone's like, "There's a really shit bit with an owl." There is a really shit bit with an owl. Yeah, like <laughs> so somebody just lobs just, like, an owl through, through the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what does that mean? What has that got to do with anything? There's no owl mythology. Oh, um, actually, nope. speaking of really shit bits, so, I so hang on. This was two thousand. So, I guess the whole kind of J horror thing was maybe happening i don't know i don't know how uh how widely seen ring was outside of japan at this point but it does seem mm. very much like they've put in like a uh soggy dead girl in a very j-horror style on this one because like the main sort of like ghoul that you see is um the spirit of uh what's her name something really stupid uh eileen treacle eileen treacle who was <laughs> who was drowned by a ghost uh in the creek but i think you only know that if you've watched all the special features I don't remember the name Eileen Drakel. I feel like I'd remembered it. I don't think I don't think that they explain much about it. Maybe they do. I can't remember. I can't remember if it's in maybe some of the notes that um that Stephen and Tristan have. But uh yes, Eileen Drakel is the second she's from the eighteen eighties. So there's there's something somewhere about how basically something happens every sixty ish years. We don't know why, it just does. Go with it. Um so, <laughs> So she's like the second one, and then and then sixty years after her, you get Rustin Parr, who's a serial killer in nineteen forty, and then obviously sixty years after that, uh, Heather and Co go out into the woods. But yeah, you keep seeing Tristan keeps seeing this little girl who is walking backwards and saying something that we you can't really make out. Um, and like, what's that got to do with anything? Like, the more again, like the more they show you, the less impact it seems to have. I do feel like what's that got to do with anything is basically a summary of <laughs> Book of Shadows. Like, <laughs> everything just feels really cobbled together. Just it's, like, just it's almost too much stuff. You've just put too much stuff in. Like the bit with the tree, like that's supposed to. There's, there's something like that's not scary about that, but I think it's supposed to be scary in a sort of like House of Leavesy style of way. Like, mm. oh well, there was a tree when we were standing there, but in the video, there's not a tree. Like, mm, no, no, it's not really. That's not really that terrifying. It's yeah. weird, but it's not terrifying. And also, like, it goes a bit secret history, doesn't it? When they finally, like, figure out that they have to rewind the tape and they see what happened. It seems mm. like they've all kind of had a, a, a crazy supernatural um, party and got very drunk and done some murders that they now don't remember <laughs> and have to cover up. Yeah. Very, very weird. That is very secret history. <laughs> Sorry, Donatella. That like... That's very unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Secret history is a fantastic book. Apologies. Yeah. But there's all that stuff like when Kim goes into town, gets shit from the locals for being a goth, and there's just all this stuff that just feels like it's killing time. Like she just gets shit for being a goth, and then nearly then thinks she's run over some ghost kids. And does a murder while she's there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it feels like they're putting in clues that you're supposed to pick up, but like. They just don't really add up to anything very satisfying. So, like when Kim leaves the the like random shop where she's bought some beer, um, and the woman behind the till wouldn't serve her and was filing her nails, then she finds uh, a nail file covered in blood in amongst the beer bottles, and it's like, huh. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then obviously later you find out that she's murdered this woman with the nail file, or has she? Because we don't know. Just because yeah. there's a video doesn't mean it's real. And and. I feel like we're saying oh, it's really interesting that he's making these points, but at the same time, I think it's it's a bit garbled. Like, what does that yeah. mean? What does that mean that 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 you've got evidence of someone murdering someone on tape? 
but maybe they don't remember doing it. It's like, well, yeah, but pretty clearly did it, didn't she? So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe he's saying that, that, that is videotape more real than reality? What, what, is, what is his point? I don't know. Um, did you did you get to the end and do the whole secret of Ez River thing that they tell you to do? No, I didn't. What happened there? <laughs> so, so it's going to blow your mind, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be ready. So, so the secret of Ez River is that Ez River is reverse backwards, mm. and if you run the tape backwards, you can find like little hidden bits um, and. Like, I'm like I got to the end I was like I'm not going to run the whole I'm not going to watch the film backwards no <laughs> and I also can't even be bothered to rewind this special feature but like it's stuff like um, when the owl comes through the window it sort of looks like there's a screaming face in the glass in the window that you might not have noticed the first Brilliant. time or there's a bit where uh, I think it's Erica walks around a table and there's a bunch of lockers behind her as the shot changes the locks on the lockers move to make a pentagram Oh. But like it's in the background, but like, but like, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, that's sort of cool. But at the same time, when you were dicking around thinking up that, why didn't you just write a better story? That doesn't sound like Jay Berlinger. <laughs> that definitely sounds like <laughs> no, post-production, so. just sort of like we need to make this interesting. Like, what yeah, if? Maybe. Can we put a face yeah. in the owl? Like, I think we can. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, right, we can. <laughs> Some pentagram lockers, you're not ready for this shit. Uh, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know if I ever would have noticed that, and it's sort of cool that stuff's moving, but it sort of feels like um, what they do with the ha- haunting of Hill House and the haunting of Blind Manor, like, there's all these ghosts hidden in the background. But I'm like, yeah, and? <laughs> if I didn't see them, uh, I don't care. Yeah, definitely. And it feels like it was more exciting back in the day when yeah you'd have to go on a website like you'd have to go looking for them whereas now with like yeah haunting of your house and stuff like you get like an immediate an immediate list where someone will go like oh like all 47 ghosts spotted and here's what it means here's the ending explained it feels like it it was i've got like a weird soft spot for that kind of nonsense from films in that time because it feels like i don't know maybe it was more work to do that yeah 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 and 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 like it's nice that they were paying that much attention to detail and that like you know it's just another layer to the whole can you really trust what you think you're seeing but uh, if that point was made more sort of coherently it would help I think as as kind of as much as I think Book of Shadows doesn't work I think it is it's an interesting attempt to do something with a franchise like a, a a film like um it feels like, yeah, thought went into it and someone had an angle. Because mm-hmm. I think, obviously, it would have been really, really boring if they'd just done another three people go missing in the woods. Um, found footage. <laughs> oh, imagine if someone did that. That would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I do really like... I did. I do like Adam Wingard's Blair Witch. I thought it was really good fun. But yeah, I think this, like, it's... I think because it's so... Like, like, you, like, I think like we said, like, the best bits are all at the start. So when you kind of come in... Yeah, that's all that stuff's great yeah it's just it just really runs out of steam and talking about it now I feel like I've been really damning but like I do kind of like it like in a not as a whole but there's, because there's interesting stuff like I'm, I've got much more time for it than I would I don't know like a NAF sequel to I can't actually think of one <laughs> 
Um, so like a retread. If it had just been a retread, I would have been bored. I think that the the relationship that it has with the first film is kind of interesting. Like, you know, to to because the first film is such a like document and such a phenomenon. Like, for the the characters to be sitting out in the woods making jokes about Heather's performance. Um, yeah. I guess it it it's it. It sort of works in a, you know, drawing the audience into it and and uh, like kind of getting you on side, I suppose. Like, it's just saying, like, hey, we see these conversations you're having, we're having them too. Yeah, it's all that stuff about, like, oh, obviously they'll have sex and stuff like that. It's all, like, the sort of the forum conversations. So it's obviously very aware of where its audience is and sort of what, or, yeah, where its perceived audience is and kind of what it needs to be... Um, what people have been saying about it and what what kind of how it wants to be kind of interacted with mm, i mean it didn't work out because the box office for this one was 50 million dollars i think on a 15 million budget so yeah not great which is why we didn't get Blair Witch project three in 2001 <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I like yeah i remember the excitement when uh adam wingard who'd been banging on about his film that was going to just called The Woods for ages, like mm. suddenly revealed that it was actually a Blair Witch sequel, like I was so excited and I was like yes we're going to go back into this mythology, like I'm really excited for that um, the film didn't really work for me but I haven't revisited it so maybe I should, but I was like eh it, 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 you know, like I'm saying, like what I love about the first one is it's, it's setting up this mystery that you only get snippets of, um, and I feel like Adam Wingard was like, here's the answer yeah, I do know what you mean. I think I got why people didn't get on with it. I think, I think I just I really enjoyed it as like a like a, just a scary horror movie. I think I don't think I'd, I hadn't seen the the original for a long time when I watched Blair Witch, mm. um, which I think probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's interesting that that did so badly as well, Blair Witch. Mm. Like I think it was not. It, it, I think it made its money back. I think it probably cost about ten quid, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it it wasn't it it didn't do anywhere near the amount of money that they were hoping it would. And I think that's I found I wonder if that's one of those things like with um uh Doctor Sleep where they thought there was a huge market out there for people who really wanted to see or like people, you know, young people who go and see horror movies would obviously know what The Shining was or Blair Witch Project and sort of actually like maybe they don't maybe they're not that interested in um yeah. and like Jigsaw which did do well. Yeah, Jigsaw. Yeah, I think because yeah, like you said, I think if you buy into mythology, like if, or if you like what the original one did in terms of revealing a little bit of the mythology, Blair Witch is kind of a bummer in that respect because it just gives you answers. So the people who really like the first one, I think a lot of them really hated Blair Witch. I sort of feel like to some degree, like Blair Witch is completely an accident. Like it, you know, we're talking about oh, they had a plan for what they wanted to film each day with the the guys out in the woods, but when they were filming that they thought it was going to be a mockumentary they thought they were going to have um you know experts weighing in they thought they were going to have all this other talking head stuff that that Mm. you you see in curse of the blair witch or um what's the other one shadow of the blair witch the two sci-fi specials all that stuff was meant to be in the film so it's it's as much as they were planning like they didn't really know what they had until they had it and and it it just feels like like chance like just Mm. because they happened to find people who were good at improvising that the that the chemistry was interesting between them that they reacted in in ways that that worked like it was just just a just pure like you know lightning in a bottle kind of thing where you just managed to get something that worked and that just it hit at a time when Mm. that was just interesting to people so 
I think both of the sequels kind of failed to capture that in their own way, but like maybe it's just impossible to capture again. It was just chance. Yeah, it does feel like I mean it's not as much as we've talked about like the joys of being able to go online and uh, find all the answers and stuff like that and find out more information. Like watching the film doesn't leave you with I don't know. Every time I've not like wanted a sequel, like it feels like it's pretty self-contained. It, it's odd that I mean, obviously, it's inevitable that it had a sequel happen, and that yeah, I guess that discussions about a third one never really went away for years and years and years until they did it, and then it feels like even now they probably will make a fourth one at some point or like remake it or something. In sixty years, <laughs> Ellie Kedge. Sixty years, again. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blair Witch sixty. Sixty years later. Um, <laughs> It's interesting as well, just like thinking about the directors as well, because I think they split up after Daniel Merrick and um, Eduardo Sanchez, they split up after this, I think, after Blair Witch Project. And I remember reading um, they'd found it hard to get, could be taken seriously as like for other jobs because because the found footage was so well done that people didn't really believe that they could do not found footage. But yeah, Eduardo Sanchez, I think, has done some like good, uh, fun stuff it took years to, for them to do another feature, either of them, but Altered I quite enjoyed. It's about um, a group of alien abductees who kidnap an alien. I liked Exists, his Bigfoot movie, that was also found footage, that was good fun. Um, and his VHS2 short's good as well, Like, but that's also found footage, it's like a GoPro zombie one. Um, and Daniel Merrick, I think, has been working, but I've not seen any of his films. One of His last one, I think, had Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins in. Oh, God. Yeah, there you go. I think... Thinking about the way that the fan footage kind of thing has has evolved, it is sort of interesting that in order to make the Blair Witch Project like in the narrative versus in in the real world, but like you know they had to sign out this camera that they were renting or whatever, and that there's there's quite a lot of stress about getting the camera back. Yeah, the dad. Um, the dad back. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas now it's like, oh well, you could just probably film it on your phone, <laughs> or you could buy a cheap camera that you could you could just film all the stuff on like I, I don't know I think that's that just that's a thing that feels very different now we're talking about it doesn't look that dated or whatever obviously it's set in 1994 but like yeah I don't know I guess the technology is an interesting thing like just thinking about how then they they had a 16 millimeter camera that they used mm. to shoot half of it on it's just that's just it's just a different world because oh, the, the they, they're, they're lugging kit around, aren't they? Like heavy bags, like assuming a lot of that's the camera and stuff. Oh yeah, there. whereas in, in the in the Adam Wingard one, they've got like a drone and all They do have a drone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I was just thinking like, you know, yeah, in, in the narrative there is that, that stuff. And then beyond that, it's like, you know, you did have to have some technical know-how and some ability to use a camera and figure out how to record sound and stuff. Whereas now it's like, yeah, just shoot it on whatever. Yeah. So I wonder if that's part of why there are so many, so many bad fan footage movies <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting just looking at because we're going to talk about the found footage boom in a later episode. But th- th- there is such a gap. Like it's not until Paranormal Activity, like later in the decade, really, that the found footage boom starts. It feels like there's not really a huge amount between then and um, Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project, you kind of you would assume should have started like a huge movement. And it didn't really. I, th- I guess we just weren't 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 ready. Um, maybe the te- yeah, maybe the technology thing just, as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, maybe partly, but maybe just like it, it, it was just such a singular thing in that, like, yeah, it hit that moment where it used the internet mm. 
in a way that felt completely revolutionary and everyone was talking about that like because the internet wasn't a thing now now everything in the world is is on the internet i don't know i think i think yeah it it, it just just one of those freak things whether the right film comes along at the right time and just captures <laughs> something um just captures everyone's desire to talk about kids being lost yeah. in the woods <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think it is also just one of those films that is just really frightening, and that's a thing that's almost impossible to kind of um, plan for in a way. Like it's hard to hard to really quantify. Like what is it that makes mm. something scary? Like the Blair Witch Project is really scary to me still. If I think about it too much, if I was out in the woods yeah. <laughs> and thought about that, I would be terrified. Yeah, I think it it taps into a lot of yeah, I guess really primal fears. Like I think. And it's interesting watching it now in this kind of the context of uh, COVID and like lockdown and stuff. But mm. and, like, I, I hate that I have to kind of like, oh, watching this through the lens of COVID. And it's like, fuck off. <laughs> I hate it. But, I know, but it's hard not to, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's impossible not to. But I think that's sort of the idea of, um, yeah, being trapped, I think, and just wanting to get through it. I found that, like, I think there's something about that, the, just, mm. the sort of the desperation of being stuck. And obviously, like they're stuck in the woods, but I think it's it's about being lost, and mm. nothing that you do is the right way out. You can head south as much as you want. You're still always going to end up back at that log across the creek. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow, that's bleak. It is. Yeah, <laughs> but I think like it's interesting that sort of I think as like creepy and as effective as the the stick men are, and that ending so good with standing in the corner. I think that's what really hit me this time was it it does that so well of. Um, yeah, the hopelessness of it. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just that the, I think that's... Um, there is that in the Wingard one, and, and that's what I didn't like, is that I felt like that set in much earlier, and I can't figure out how to articulate this, but, like, there's a moment where somebody in Blair Witch um, is, like, crossing a stream and they hurt their foot, mm. and, to, and and something in my head just went, oh, well, like, this is the point of no return now. If if you weren't already past it, this is the moment where nothing you do is going to matter. You might as well just kill yourself now. And I was just like, oh, I'm not enjoying this now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I can't explain why that happens in that film and doesn't happen in Blair Witch Project, because it's a similar thing. Like, at the point where they just keep coming back to that log, it's like, well, you're not, you're not getting out. <laughs> it, this is no longer a problem of being lost in the woods. This is now a problem of... Y- like something supernatural is happening probably mm. and and you you just you're not going to get away from it mm. <laughs> oh god okay <laughs> well <laughs> this is a, a a lovely um cheerful way to end our podcast about the blowage project you'll have to think of something more cheerful next time what 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 um i don't know pick something nice and brightly colored to watch <laughs> I was going to say Jay Harrow might be next, but that's that's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jay Harrow's even worse for that. Jay Harrow's like, now you cursed. And that's, that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> next two hours are going to be you trying not to be cursed. Uh, but you'll still be still cursed. Because you're cursed. And you're cursed. And the curse is going to get everyone. And the curse will just keep going forever because mm-hmm. it's a curse. Yeah. I'm going to go and look at that gif from a cabin in the woods where they're like and now the curse is oh, yeah. the frog <laughs> just that on loop for the next three hours <laughs> okay uh so let's 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 wrap up um if you would like to chat about your experience watching the Blair Witch Project or if you 
actually if you have got a curse on you don't contact us mm. we won't help and we don't want it thanks um, <laughs> no thank you <laughs> we want chat about horror movies uh, I am on Twitter as at Sarah Dobbs uh, I'm at Jonathan Hatful and we will be back shortly to talk about more 2000s horror movies hopefully with slightly less uh, grim conclusion but you never know <laughs> <laughs> see you next time <laughs> <laughs>